Welcome to Aging in Full Bloom with Lisa Stockdale, sponsored by Capital Healthcare Network, an Ohio-based, family-owned and operated company providing solutions that help seniors age on their own terms. Those solutions include home care, senior living, nursing home and rehab care, and hospice. Learn more at CapitalHealthCareNetwork.com. Good morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you happen to be listening. That's the beauty of a podcast, isn't it? We have a special guest on the phone with us today, Lee Goodkin. Did I get your name correctly? It is perfect. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Well, I think your name matters, doesn't it? We always want our names to be pronounced correctly. He is the author of several books, including, is this your latest book, My Last 8,000 Days? Yes, it's uh, just published a few weeks ago, uh, My Last 8,000 Days, uh, An American Male in His 70s. Yes, My Last 8,000 Days, An American Male in His 70s. You were kind enough to send this to me. I appreciate that. Um, How could our listeners get a hold of it if they want to after they hear the interview? Well, they can go to my website, uh, l-e-e-g-u-t-k-i-n-d.com, and there are a bunch of places uh, you can order from. Uh, and uh, you can, you know, also go to Barnes & Noble and Amazon That's if that's easier. And when you do buy the book, remember that the book is a terrific Christmas present as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah good, good idea. Good. So I started reading the book this morning, I'm ashamed to say. Can I tell you that I have not stopped laughing all day? <laughs> <laughs> this well, is great. That. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, it is hilarious. You, I'm sure your other books, and I'm going to check out some of your other books um, as well. But I literally came into my office at about 11 o'clock this morning, and there was another person in my office, and I was laughing so often and so hard, she got up and left. <laughs> So she's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be working. I said, I am working. I'm previewing uh, this book that I'm going to be interviewing this author um, later this afternoon. So thank you for sending me the book. I might have to send it back to you and have it autographed or something like that. Thoroughly enjoy what I have read, which isn't the whole book, but about 10 or 12 chapters. Um well, that's pretty good. Hilarious. Hilarious stuff, right? I'm going to start by um, reading a little bit of the first chapter, just to help our our audience know what this is all about. Oh, I better put my glasses on. I'm not 70, but, and you're not 70 anymore either. You're, what are you now, 74, 75? No, 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 I'm 77. Oh, 77, okay, well, that's a good thing. It says, this morning, on my 70th birthday, began like any other. My alarm blared at 5.30 a.m., then groped for the TV remote to change my law and order middle-of-the-night return station to CNN for morning news, slip out from under my covers, bare feet on the floor, stagger into the bathroom, relieve myself, brush teeth, splash cold water on my face, closing my eyes to avoid my reflection in the mirror, then back to the bedroom, pull on Levi's and top from night before, check iPhone for text, descend the stairs, knees cracking, yell, we'll just say blankety blank blank blank, because my joints are in the morning rebellion, open the front door, bend, wince, retrieve my New York Times, put on coat, it is January, and head four blocks to Starbucks. 
I guess that had me laughing because I can relate. <laughs> I'm like, is he talking about him or me? What's going on here? <laughs> so do you still do your four blocks to Starbucks every day? I still do. I am a creature of habit. I have been doing that for a half a half. Well, Starbucks opened 31 or 32 years ago. So uh, I've been doing the Starbucks route for that. But uh, there's always been a place for me to get up and get my coffee and get myself moving um, despite the aches and pains and annoyances and get my day started um, as quickly and as energetically as I possibly can. Okay. And you happen to live in Pittsburgh. Okay, so we're familiar with your climate because we're out of Columbus, Ohio. So this is how you start the book. And you do talk about the fact that you are um, a creature of habit, as you say, and that this is how you have started many mornings. And then you go on to share some stories with us um, about why 70 was a milestone for you. Do you want to give us a glimpse of any of those stories or should we just move forward? Um, I will certainly say that that was not only that day, uh, pretty much focuses, is, is the focus in many respects of the entire book because that was my 70th birthday day. And, uh, I tried everything possible for the past 30 years up until 70, uh, to ignore my birthday, to just go on just the way it always is, um, one year after another, but uh, on my 70th day, that year um, was a real tsunami for me. Um, my two best friends died that year, five days before my um, 70th birthday. Um, yeah. My absolute positive best friend, my mom. Your mom, uh, yes, yes. Um, so, I don't know if it's interesting or not, but yesterday I got a call early in my work day from a very close colleague who lost her mother the day before. Um, and it has, like, I have been really sad since then, not only for my friend, because I'm thinking about the possibility of losing my own mother, um, which I hope doesn't happen for another 40 or 50 years, but I'm probably being a little optimistic um, in, in that projection, but it's life-changing, isn't it? It's life-changing in one way and in another way. You love so much that one person so much and rely on them so much, they're often with you. They're still with you forever. Yeah. I, I called the book um, like uh, a phantom limb, like soldiers um, after in a war mm-hmm. who lo- lose arms or legs. They still feel like they have those limbs anyway, phantom limbs. And that's the way I felt about losing my mom. But she was. And um, the fact that she was gone and the fact that my two best friends were gone. And Lisa, you know I'm a writer. I've written 17 books now. This is my 17th. And um, and writers spend a lot of time by themselves with the keyboard and their display and their notebook. And I never needed very many, very much of a support system because I had these two guys who were my best friends and I had my mom and and then suddenly they were all gone yeah. and I felt empty and depressed and empty and I thought that um, on this 70th year, it needs to make a change. 
Now, before we get to the changes, and of course, that's the good stuff, um, I laughed a lot at your 40th birthday dinner. Tell us what happened. I went into this um, uh, famous, well, famous in Pittsburgh anyway, a steak and seafood house called Klein's. And my wife, my then wife, um, took me there for, to celebrate my 40th dinner. And, um, and as I walked through the door and sat down at the table, I looked around me and I saw really old people. <laughs> and it, I mean, really, it was like, uh, like at 40, I was certainly the youngest person there. At least I thought. Uh-huh. And, and, and everything depressed me so much. I, um, um, uh, the, the rug was worn and I could, through the rug, and I thought I saw my own dead self <laughs> under the kind of fading and being eaten away. And oh, I sat, dear. And you know how they give you bread? Well, well, the bread to me was stale, and, and I couldn't bite into it. And so um, I got <laughs> so upset at 40 that I jumped up and ran out the door, leaving my poor wife alone to make excuses <laughs> and pay the check, of course. For the bread, you know, and um, and and that was when I decided this is it. This I don't want to be that depressed. And 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 the older you get, Lisa, like I'm seventy seven, and the older you get, the more well, the more funerals you go to, and and um, and and the more the people you know, the people you age are talking about all of the things that are nagging at them about being old and being. And, <laughs> not being able to, it drove me crazy. And then, and then the older you get also, Lisa, um, people begin looking at you differently. Mm, you know, they look yeah. young, look at you like you have potential to grow, you have energy. And it isn't true that we people who are aging uh, or aged um, don't have potential to grow and, and can't do amazing and wonderful things. But the way in which some people, I, I am so tired of people asking me, looking at me, and seeing my gray hair and the wrinkles on my face and telling me, asking me if I'm retired. I'm retired? No, I'm not retired. I write books. I teach at a university. I have plenty more to give mm-hmm. to my life. Uh, I, I ain't uh, fading away with golf and, uh, and frequent trips to Florida. That's not me, and that's not lots of people my right. age. Yes, I agree. And good for you. Um, and I wish more people, you know, forgot about this whole idea of retiring. Just let's just take it off the table. <laughs> it's just a nuisance. Um, but ageism is, I think, what you're getting at here. People look at you differently. Um, they treat you differently. They ask different questions. They expect different answers. Um, you ever get angry about it? Do I ever not get angry? About yeah, it? <laughs> is that the question? So, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want people to ask me if I'm retired. And I'll tell you something that really annoys me when I walk into a restaurant or wherever I'm going, and people say to me, and they mean no harm, but they do indeed cause harm. They say to me, "Hello, young man." Well, I'm not a young man, mm-hmm. and um, I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm just a man, and and. Um, and, and when I'm with my girlfriend, um, sometimes, and, you know, we cuddle up together. I put my arm around her. People say, aren't you guys cute? 
well, we're not cute either. We're two old people who have a lot to give to this world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so it, it, it's annoying to me. So and two, say, two free tips. Don't say hello, young man. Hello, young lady. When you are interacting with older folks, we don't appreciate it. We know we ain't that and it's okay. Um, and we ain't cute. We're other things, uh, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know how old you are, but if you're with, if you're forty and you're with someone uh, that you like a lot, you don't want to be told you're cute. You might think a handsome couple. Sure, or, it's or condescending. You, it's oh, it is quite condescending. We're not children. Um, I'm fifty-four, by the way. Um, so I'm old enough to have started to experience some of this. Um, and I've interviewed enough people, and I've said this many times on air, um, to have heard this over and over again. People say, the older I get, the more invisible I feel in the public sphere. Um, and nobody wants to be invisible. We're not irrelevant. Um, gosh, we're accomplished. You should be asking us those questions. You're asking those 25-year-olds <laughs> or, or whatever. Yes, that's absolutely right, Tim. You say you laughed at my book, and I'm glad you did, because I tried to take many of these situations and make them uh, humorous. And um, because, because, well, frankly, because pe what people laugh about something, they remember it. Yes. And, and, and I wanted, to, I tried to be as, I tried to be as honest and, oh, yeah. and, and self-confessing as I could. I wanted to really uh, lay out what it's like to be turning into this uh, to to an eld an older person because it is somewhat amusing to forget everything although what we don't or to forget words or to forget our keys but um, but we don't and 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 it makes us feel um, it makes me feel anyway when I forget things um, and or go a little slower than I once did it makes me feel um, um, inferior in many ways but the fact of the matter is that if you're 32 or 28 you forget keys too mm -hmm. and um, it, it, it just takes us sometimes a little bit longer to do what we need to do but uh, almost always we do it right and uh, we and we should do it with humor and we should um, and, and, and we should talk about these issues as honestly as possible and if we make them funny and they are kind of funny. Then, uh, then, then, so uh, it, it, it makes it will make I hope my readers feel better because they will know that um, they're not the only person that forgets things or drops things yeah. or goes the wrong way um, to an, uh, to an event. Um, everybody, it happens to everybody. So it's about being human. And I wanted to throw this at you and see if this makes any sense. When I was reading your book, especially when you start talking, you called ageism out. And you sort of alluded to the fact that you, you yourself subscribed to ageist ideas, if you will, and you just had never thought about it um, as a young person. And I remember um, studying for my graduate degree, and um, I knew all about racism, I knew all about sexism, I knew all about classism. Ageism wasn't even a thing we talked about. Um, so we need to talk about it. And that's part of the purpose of this interview. Anything you want to leave us with on ageism before we move on? Um, 
I think you hit it on the head that we're talking about a lot of isms these days in our country. Mm-hmm. But, but Lisa, you know that there are over 70 million people in this country um, uh, who are, uh, let us say, baby boomers who are um, 70 and older, and we're totally and completely not acknowledging them as real folks. Yeah. And I, it, it's has- ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, and it's offensive. Um, and so we need to call it out, because if you don't speak up, people aren't going to know that they're behaving badly. And you said, I like what you said earlier, you said, no, I think you said, no harm was intended, but harm was done. Exactly. That exactly. stuff's hurtful, so cut it out, y'all, uh, right away, if you don't mind. So here's something else I want to dig into. Um, one of the things I laughed about was your shark foot. Oh my goodness. You talk about it a lot. And, and so tell our listeners what it is, but also what it symbolizes. Well, for my long before, uh, my 70th birthday, I had, a um, a bunion and, uh, my bunion, uh, as I got, I'm a runner and, and, and my bunion got, more prone to uh, as as I got older, and it began to um, it, it it began to um, uh, swell up and turn red, and in the and in the in the in the cold weather, it it blinked. I swear, <laughs> like Rudolph's nose. Um, and and my whole life, I connected my bunion with aging, and I have my whole life tried to hide my bunion from people even when when I would I had a beach house in South Jersey and you would never see me walking on the beach without shoes um, and um, and <laughs> I just hit it all the time I um, my first book was about traveling around the country in a motorcycle and I had these big motorcycle boots and I still wear boots today and so no one could see this bunion because you know what the bunion represents. It represents a weakness, number mm-hmm. one, a flaw in who I am, but it also represents, I mean, who gets bunions? Old guys. <laughs> and old get bunions. Except you got one a little early, right? Oh, my God. And, well, yes, and it grew and grew, and, um, and, and it, it made... It made it made me just feel bad wherever I went. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you right now, and I'm feeling it as we talk. It's just always there, reminding me that I have this flaw, and that um, and that and that some people might look at that and say. Um, and think I'm an old guy. And you went to extremes to hide it. And I love the fact that you talk about both of your wives sort of enjoyed it. <laughs> and and they like to talk about it and ask about it. Um, but oh, go when, ahead. when people love you, when it's, it's, I have to tell you, this is really, this is really true, um, that in both of my case, with both of my wives and any girlfriends I've ever had, uh, if we ever got intimate, um, I kept my socks on um, as <laughs> long as possible just to hide that damn bunion. Yeah, you were hiding your shark foot. And, and we I all was. have a flaw that we want to hide um, and that we think will, I don't know, make us less than in other people's eyes. How'd you overcome your fear? Something to do with yoga, right? Well, that was, uh, yes, that really was helpful. <laughs> um, um, 
I discovered uh, hot yoga. Um, uh, I, I heard about it, mm-hmm. and uh, and it seemed uh, I'm always trying to test myself physically to keep up with other people, and uh, um, and this hot yoga, power yoga, seemed to me something I wanted to try, and so I went there um, to the first and to the first uh, yoga practice class I could go to, and. It never occurred to me, Lisa, until I got there, that in order to practice <laughs> yoga, you have to take off your shoes and socks. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, and this was terrible. I mean, I, I, I was I, I was stunned at this. Uh-huh. And, and, and so I did. Uh, I, I did. And, um, and, uh, and I was astounded to discover that, first of all, I was three times older than anybody else in this class, and but I was astounded to discover that no one looked at my feet, or if they looked at my feet, uh, they pretended they didn't look. Uh-huh. And and in all those years I've been doing uh, practicing yoga for six or seven years, up until COVID, and um, no one ever said a word about my my feet. But what what they would say is, and and this this was okay. This, this also made me comfortable, but I realized that that I needed to change my perspective. They would say to me, "You can really do this this stuff and keep up with us." And then they might say, "How old are you?" And um, and um, in this context, it made me feel better because um, because it made me feel better eventually because they were amazed that um, with or without a bunion, I could practice yoga, do power yoga with any of those young people um, um, in, in the yoga studio. Uh, now they so. ask you, so they occasionally would ask you how old you were, and for years you lied about your age. I, I have lied so often. <laughs> I was interviewed um, uh, by an NPR affiliate uh, last week. And um, I told him I was 77, and he was about ready to uh, edit his his feature. And he called me up and he said, uh, and he said, wait a minute, I thought you said you're 77. But I looked uh, at Wikipedia <laughs> and I looked at some other website that says you're 73 or you're 75. Because I did. I lied all the time. Anytime <laughs> anyone asked me how old I was, I'd lie. <sighs> when did you, you, when did you stop lying? Um, uh, as I was writing the book, yeah. uh, I mean, there, I mean, I had, I'm writing about a person who hit 70 and beyond. And so I couldn't lie about that. I could just admit that I've been lying my whole life. <laughs> and it took you four years to write the book. It took me 10 years to write oh, the book. Oh, 10 years. Uh, okay. I started it prior to, um, there we 70 go. and, um, but, but you have, a writer needs to figure out what the overall story or narrative arc is going to be. And I realized that at, when I turned 70 and when I realized I needed to make some changes, uh, the, the 70th year was the way in which I decided to, uh, to structure the book. Yeah. So it starts when I'm 70. It goes back in time to talk about some of my other experiences, um, writing other books and becoming and how I became a writer. And then it goes forward again as I try to make my transition from this guy who is crazed about and fearful of, of, of aging uh, and loneliness a lot um, and, and move forward. Yeah. And you called the book honest. It is honest. Gut level, right? 
It's real. And that's part of what makes it so relatable um, and so funny because I could relate to so much of what I was reading. So um, I'm reading the back now, a review. It says, life-changing and its perspective and honest revelations of growing older. What do you want to leave us with, this whole business of growing older? I think that I will leave you with the idea that, yes, my book is indeed about growing older, but it's also about growing stronger. And I think we hit this this moment in our life whether it's 60 or 70 or 82, that we realize that we have a heck of a lot more to give and we need to make some changes. And and because we are older, we are also in many ways stronger and we need to figure out what kind of changes we want to make and, and, and try as hard as we, possible, as we possibly can to achieve as many of those changes as we can. Because um, my book is about, it's called My Last 8,000 Days, and I want to, and I want everybody else in my age, age range to take advantage of whatever of those 8,000 days we have remaining. I love it. So powerful. So many things in there. I love that you say this word potential doesn't stop applying to us because we've gotten older. None of us are walking around with expiration dates on our forehead. We don't know when. We're still aspiring. We're still contributing. We have value. We have we have wisdom and experience that people much younger and I than than we are uh, uh, lack at this particular moment, and we need to be able to take that wisdom and experience, and we need to be able to be proud of ourselves. One thing I have learned uh, over the past four or five years, not just with yoga, but 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 just thinking about it, is that we need one to reach out to other people as often as we can because because um, the people that we used to know are are, are fading away, and and now uh, you you started reading this chapter about um, about how I kind of go up to Starbucks and prepare myself. I now try to stand up as straight as I can to walk in with with purpose. And, and to show the world that I am proud of who I am. Perfect. My last 8,000 days, an American male in his 70s, Lee Goodkin, G-U-T-K-I-N-D. Order it today. You'll laugh yourself silly. You'll learn some things. You'll appreciate all of it. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. And thank you for asking such terrific questions and reading a chapter, a paragraph or two from my book. Thank oh, you. Absolutely. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed this podcast, learned a little something along the way. Till next time, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be forever at your back.